Can I pray for you, please? <laughs> Lord, I thank you for this guy. I thank you for the way he serves you and just his love for, for your bride. Father, I pray that even though he's prepared for weeks, he's had this burning on his heart. Lord, I pray that you would come and that you will buy your power. Even like that old saying, blow the front door through the back garden fence. Father, that you will come by your power and you will shift us. That I pray right now that we, each one of us would position our hearts to receive from you, Lord. And that you would come and that the seed would land on, on fertile soil. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. <sighs> Deep breath. Where said I must just look at him naked if I get nervous. That's scary. That's scary. So, um, yeah, thanks very much. Um, sorry, Wes. Uh, yeah, so my name is Bruce. I'm one of the leaders here. And uh, I've had this word on my heart for a little while, so I chatted to the elders about it, and they said it will be good to share it. Um, and I must give it a title, because if I don't, my wife's going to rebuke me. Because I was practicing with her, and she said, you must give it a title, because the AV guys need to know. So if it's got a title, we can call it A Seat at the Table. A Seat at the Table. Got that? Okay. So, um, well, just to paint a picture, we're going to talk about a guy, a bit of a hidden gem, actually, in the Old Testament. His name is Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth. Has anyone ever heard of Mephibosheth? A couple of people. Okay, it's a mouthful, I know. If I get it wrong, then we'll just call him Brother M or something like that. eh? Okay. So basically, it's a story of this guy. Uh, he's a crippled guy, actually, um, and it's this picture. It's actually a prophetic picture from the Old Testament into the New about how this, by the love of God through David, King David, extends this grace to this guy called Mephibosheth and he invites him to come and eat at his table. So it's a beautiful picture of grace. Um, my mouth's a bit dry. Let me get some water. Just give me a second. Okay, so maybe, maybe while that's happening, we can put the scripture on. I think let's just go straight into it because I want to be faithful with my time. Okay, so we're reading from 2 Samuel, chapter 9 and verses 1 to 13. Is that up? Okay, so David asks, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? David and Jonathan were like BFFs in the Old Testament. Okay, just so we know that. Okay. Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They called him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba, your servant? He replied. The king asked, Is there still no one left of this house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He's crippled in both feet. So Mephibosheth was Jonathan's son, and Saul's grandson, actually. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Makir, son of Amil, in Lodabar. Okay. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel. When Mephibosheth, son of John, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, your servant, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's servant, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons, busy guy, and 20 servants. 
Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever the Lord, the Lord my king demands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. Lots of names there, lots of, excuse the mouthful. Uh, and Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table and he was crippled in both feet. Okay, so quite a lot going on there. Lots of names. So a bit of context. It's about 10 BC. King David is at the heart of his kingship. He's recently been in battle, defeated uh, Jonathan and Saul previous to this. He's taken out Goliath. We know that story. Um, he's beaten the Hittites and all the other ites in the land, the Philistines as well. Um, and he gets a word from Nathan the prophet to build the house of the Lord. And as a result of that, because he's been extended this massive kindness and favor, because he's a famous guy, he wants to extend kindness outward. So there he says, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? And he's actually referring to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth. There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet, is the reply from the servant. So it was customary in those, in those days, if you were king, you would basically wipe out your opposition. If there was any threat to your dynasty at all, you'd basically wipe them out. So you'd kill your enemy, you'd kill all his sons, all the children, all the grandsons, all the heirs. You would take the livestock, they used to call it plunder and spoils, and all the wealth, and you would take that all as you'd be the reigning king in order to protect your dynasty, obviously. The story goes, though, that from chapter 4, what happened to Mephibosheth? Brother M. What, yeah, what happens to Brother Miffy? No, let's not do that. Brother M. So, so the story goes that um, during the battle, um, I forget the name of it, but there's a battle between um, Saul and Jonathan and, and David. They lose the battle, and the maidservant, Mephibosheth's maidservant, picks him up and tries to flee from the battle. And during that, actually drops him. Somewhere along the line, drops him, breaks his ankles, breaks his knees, or whatever happens. Maybe he fell down a hill, and he becomes lame, and he was five. So he was a young boy, so he becomes lame, and he becomes crippled. While, he, while, while they were hurrying from the battle. Also, the name Mephibosheth means from the mouth of shame. So you can see the picture that's already been painted about this guy. He's crippled, he's lame, since from a young age, he's been called Mephibosheth, meaning shame himself. So you can just see the picture now of what this guy's carrying, his identity. Where is he, the king asks. He's at the house of Makir, son of Emil, in Lodabar. So Lodabar also, just to reiterate this sense of this poor man, it actually means no pasture. It's a place in the wilderness. It also means place of forgotten people. So this guy, Mephibosheth, lives in this place. And also, he serves in another man's house. If you see, he serves in the house of Makir, son of Emil. So basically, he's lacked societal status of any kind his whole life, serving in another man's house. And he's actually the rightful heir to the throne through his grandfather, Saul. He's an enemy of the state, actually. So King David says, where is he? Go and get him and bring him to me. So they do that. I'm just trying to paint a picture here. So can you imagine? You're a crippled guy. You're living in a place called Lodabar. Lodabar would be, okay, put it this way. The, palace, or the, the kingdom of David would be Edgemead. Okay? 
low the bar would probably be like Bordesig. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. No, no. It's not that bad. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to check where looking at. Yeah, did you turn the mic off? But yeah, Bordesig's managing the sound. Sorry, I love Bordesig. Love Bordesig. Bordesig for the win, eh? Okay. No, no. So just an idea. So Lodabar is this place. It's a Palestinian desert right on the outskirts of the kingdom. So you've got King David. He's famous. He's full of wealth. He's, he's, um, uh, he's the man, basically. And Lodabar is right on the outskirts of the kingdom. So now he sends his servants to go and find this guy. So... Before I do that, move on, I just want to share a quick story about myself. So um, when I was younger, I was a good cricketer. Believe it or not, I played for Transvaal Cricket. I was about primary school age, 12, 13 years old. So we go to this award ceremony at the Wanderers. And um, I'm there with all my cricketing mates and my mom's there. And uh, we go up to fetch our awards kind of in single file. So I'm there with all my Mikeys, my buddies. We go up to get our awards. And when I get there... To receive my award, I think it was Ray Jennings or someone at that time, uh, he put this award over my, my, my chest like this. And I remember looking over at my mom, who had brought me there, and my mom in those years enjoyed her wine. And what had happened was my mom had actually passed out on the table, literally with her head in the plate like that. And I stood there as this young boy, and I just felt shame like I'd never felt. I just felt embarrassment. I thought, oh, my goodness. In fact, I remember hearing the taunting. I remember hearing, like, the other, the other families and the parents of those kids kind of sneering and looking over at me and, you know, oh, shame, you know. And I'm telling you that because I want to paint a picture of this guy, Mephibosheth. I'm trying to exaggerate this. Now he's we're back to Mephibosheth again. He's now on this journey to see King David. He's an enemy of the state. He lives in a place called Lodabar. He should be executed. Can you imagine now? Now he gets to King David. Mephibosheth, David says to him. Doesn't say cripple. Doesn't say outcast. Doesn't say reject. He says Mephibosheth. And he calls him by name. Maybe you guys can put that picture up of him. I just want to... Yeah, there he is. There's my friend Mephibosheth. There's David. Mephibosheth. And when he does that, he does an amazing thing. It's this act of grace. He shows him this kindness. Sure, sorry. Yeah, the, the, he, the Hebrew word for this is, is chesed. I did a bit of research. It's chesed, and it's the same word that they use in Hebrew to explain God's entire love for humanity. It's a it's an all-encompassing love. It's, a, it's grace, it's kindness, it's mercy. It's unfailing. It's covenantal. It's this chesed. So he calls him Mephibosheth. He calls him by name. And he gives him identity. And he gives him respect. And he gives him dignity. So I looked up the word of dignity as well. And if you actually look at what the Oxford meaning says, it says the importance and value that a person has that makes other people respect them or makes them respect themselves. That's dignity. How do you guys deal with dignity? 
when someone comes into our service. My friend Ruan over there. Hey, Ruan. Love you, man. Do you guys show that chesed love to Ruan? Ruan's in a wheelchair. How do you deal with dignity? While I was researching online, I came across this amazing accomplishment from a Guinness World Record holder, a guy by the name of Robert Hensel. This is what he did, eh? Guinness World Record holder. He, wheeled, he wheelied uh, in a wheelchair 9,500 kilometers. 9,500 kilometers in a wheelchair. That's like to Joburg and back, like four times. And you know what he said? There's no greater disability in society than the inability to see people as more. Let me say that again. There's no greater disability in society than inability to see people as more. And David showed that to Mephibosheth. Back to verse 6. At your service, he replies. This is Mephibosheth. I'm sure at this point, the guy must have thought, it's off with my head, eh? I mean, they've come to fetch me now. They've taken me before the king. Again, David. Don't be afraid, he says, for surely I will show you the kindness. Your, show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will always eat at my table. It's that thing of, you will always eat at my table. Sorry, that's my little girl, Lily, over there. She loves her daddy. Um, so what a surprise that must have been for Mephibosheth, for Brother M. Think about it. After all that, you think you're probably going to be off with your head. And now the king actually says, calls you by name, and he says, don't be afraid. It's a picture of Christ, isn't it? When we look to him and when we go to him and we approach him, what does he say to us? Don't be afraid, my son, for I love you. I send my son to die for you. For you, Victor. For you, bud. For Wesley, naked and all. For you, bud. For me, for Steve, for Belinda. What a surprise it must have been. He must have felt this release. I can only imagine to hear the unbelievable acceptance of words from the king. These words of grace, symbolic of God's love for David. David, the strong and famous king, reaching out to Mephibosheth, this crippled man, an outcast, and giving him undeserved kindness. This chesed love that I spoke of. And even in that... Funny thing, Mephibosheth, just to, just to show how broken this guy must have been, his response is this, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? David's just stored, um, kept his life. What is your servant? I'm this dead dog. Brett spoke of it, I think, two weeks ago. In the Old Testament, in the Mosaic Law, it was vile to touch something dead. Even a dog, in, in those days, the context of a dog was considered dirty. So a dead dog is even worse. This is how he considers himself. He must have thought to himself like, geez, I'm wasting my time here, you know. Yeah, my friend Mephibosheth. Okay, he's gone now. Then the, then the king summons Ziba, back to verse 9, and said to him, I've given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and bring in the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. The generosity, eh? I mean, that's, he basically not only saves his life, he gives him an inheritance. He gives him all of Saul's inheritance, all his land, all the servants, 
And to consider land then, they called it the promised land. If you were given a portion of that land, then you were kind of in the inner circle. You must know you were then considered holy. It's the holy people of Israel. What generosity it was. Four times in that passage, four times, David says to him, you will eat at my table. You will always eat at my table. You will eat at my table. It's not a one-off gesture. This, is a, this would continue through his life. It would mean that he would have protection. It would mean that he would have status. It would mean that there was relationship. There was covenantal relationship. You know, we break bread. You know why we do that? It's a Josh Chen value. But we do that because we love each other. Because we're brothers and sisters. And it's a value that we have. It's a sacrament. It's, a, it's an act of our faith. So there's relationship. Mephibosheth is invited to break bread every day with King David. It's beautiful. Beautiful story. Beautiful story. So if I look at my own life, and maybe I look at some of our lives, we're all Mephibosheths in some way. Are we not? I mean, let's be honest. We're all Mephibosheths. We're all hiding in some way. We're all in our own load bar. Load bar. Even just the sound of it, like load bar. It just sounds like we're all in load bar. I mean, that was me. My testimony was, before I got saved, I used to come sit at the back of the church, not this congregation, but other congregations. And I was lost. I was broken, man. And I used to sit at the back. And I was lost. I was in load bar. I was in load bar. And the call would go out for me, and I would respond. I think. I'd put my hand up. Get saved. I think. And then I'd carry on back in the world again, back to my load bar. You see, we're all hiding, folks. We're all weak. We're all poor. We're all lame before the king. Romans 3, verse 23 says, There is no one righteous. There is not one righteous, not even one. None of us, folks, are righteous before the king. We're all separated because of our actions. Ephesians 2, you were dead in the trespass and sin in which you once walked. That's me and you. We separated from him because we didn't know him. Or perhaps we don't know him. Maybe there's folk here that don't know him yet. But Luke Luke 19 verse 10, Jesus came to save that which is lost. Thank you, Jesus. What an amazing thing. But, big but, through the finished work of the cross, this is the good part. This is the gospel message. Even then in the Old Testament, we are called by name. Bruce, Mephibosheth, Carl. In Christ, we are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, the new has come. Corinthians 5.17. We're given dignity and respect. We're given dignity and respect. I mentioned that earlier. 1 John 1, 12 to 13. I don't know if you guys have got those scriptures. You can chuck them up quickly. To yet all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's you and I, folks. He gives us robes of righteousness. 1 Peter 2 verse 9. You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. I mean, how awesome is that? I mean, who, who am I? But according to what the word says about what God says about me, I'm a chosen person. I'm actually royal. According to the word. We're a holy nation. God's special possession. That we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness. Beautiful, isn't it? We're able to approach the throne of, king, of, of the king with confidence. Ephesians 3 verse 12. In him and through him. I don't know if the scripture's been going up. Yeah, there it is. We may approach God with freedom and confidence. Do you know that? Do you know that when we worship, there's a couple of guys that stick their arms up in the front here. 
We're not doing it because we're trying to like be cool. So we do it because we can approach God with confidence. Do you do that? How do you approach God? Do you approach him, approach him with confidence or do you stand at the back? I'm not judging you for standing at the back. It's a heart attitude. But how do you approach him? As a son? As a Mephibosheth? Think about that. He gives us a life in abundance. Not just for now, but for eternity. Forever. Forever. He gives us a seat at the table, doesn't he? Yeah. He gives us a seat at the table. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful story. It's a beautiful story. I'm humbled by it. and What a privilege it is to share it with you guys. It's just really been on my heart, and I, I hope that I'm delivering it well. I just want to be obedient to, to, to God. Okay, more water. <laughs> my mouth's very dry. Thanks, babe. Mm. Yeah, thanks, man. Can I have an amen? Amen, amen brother. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, so... We can see this beautiful story. Hey, it's a, it's a story of grace. It's a story of this chesed love, this God reaching out through David to a man, Mephibosheth, to us, crippled, broken people. We can never do anything to deserve it. We don't deserve it. We can never earn it. Never. But through Christ, we're all heirs. We're all sons and daughters. We all have an inheritance and a promised land for now and into eternity. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I think I want to be faithful with my time, so I think I want to start landing it there. Maybe if I can ask Belinda um, to come up. I'm getting a wink from Steve. That means it's going well. <laughs> oh, you got so yeah. I, I, I thought you were crying. Sorry. <laughs> it's good. It's good. So, question. It's a question. How many of us have been dropped? I have. Big time. Maybe it's in our family lives. Maybe in your work. I don't know. How many of us have been dropped? What is the thing that makes you a Mephibosheth? Is there something that has caused shame? Do you feel shame like he did? Do you need to be set free from that, from shame, from self-loathing? Self-loathing. Do you understand that in Christ Jesus you've been set free and that you can't sit at the table of the king? Do you understand that? Sorry. I know sometimes in my own life I battle... In my thought life, I think we all do. We all battle a bit with doubt sometimes and shame sometimes, even condemnation. Romans, Romans 12 says, take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Just to handle, how do we overcome these thoughts when we have them? It's not meant to be a heavy word, guys. It's not heavy. I just want to paint this picture of this beautiful grace that we have at our fingertips. I don't know how we're going to do this. I've got an idea. Maybe Carl and Steve. But I just want to maybe appeal to three different groups of people, if that's okay. 
Um, maybe the first group can be, and I'm not going to ask you to stand up because I know that can be embarrassing, but I really just want you to think about, and I'm trusting that the Holy Spirit will minister to you as I've been sharing. I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. And you can sit in your chair, you can stand up. However you want to do that. The thing is you do business with God. I just want to ask you to do business with God in your own way. Maybe you're in Mephibosheth here. Maybe you're a David here. Maybe you, like David, want to show kindness to people, this chesed love. You want to show this covenantal love to someone, but or people lowlier than you. But there's a blockage in your heart. Maybe it's pride. Um, then to those that are maybe not knowing of this Jesus Christ that I'm talking about. Maybe if that's you as well, you can also respond to this. Just want to maybe even just leave it there just for a minute, just where you're sitting. to pray with us. I think if you want to stand, stand. Uh, yeah. Sometimes prophetically as an act, we need to stand, you know. We can sit in our chairs. There's no condemnation here. But maybe just as an act, stand as a I'm here, Lord. I'm seated at your table, God. I'm here because I recognize that I'm weak like Mephibosheth. I'm lame. I was once lost. Maybe I am lost, even still now. But, oh, Jesus, that you would save me, God, that you would save us. Father, I want to lift up every soul in this place. That you sent your only son to die on a cross for me, for us. What a beautiful act of love and kindness. This chesed love. It's indescribable, God. I pray for every soul here, Father, that if there's something that this word is ministering to them in their hearts, that there would be some kind of a response to you, Jesus.